two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, we got a big, big show tonight. We have actual talent on the No Outlet Podcast. In fact, I'm a big fan of our guest tonight. In addition to being a UCB New York City alumni, he is also part of the Rat Scraps Improv Team based in NYC. And he is the host of the Loud About Nothing podcast. That's right, folks. We have the hottest dude in the podcast game tonight. Please give a warm no-outlet welcome to Sebastian Canelli. Sebastian, you should see the crowd here. They are going absolutely bananas. This is amazing. I love that. <laughs> All right. We're going to play a game called 20 Questions, Sebastian, and it always starts in the exact same place, and that's question number one. Question number one, what are your thoughts on the concept that interstellar beings have visited here, our planet, several times and are actually living among us right now? Oh, I, I, I <laughs> off with a banger. I love this. Um, I 100% believe that. Um, I am a big alien guy. I actually think, uh, like, mathematically and scientifically, it's stupid to think that uh, aliens don't exist. And, of course, uh, they have uh, visited us, I believe, in the Anunnaki. Uh, they are currently here. If you see Nordic people with very large eyes, uh, that's how they're described. <laughs> the Anunnaki, um, they are among us, bro. So, uh, so you, you should be aware of that. I don't think they mean any harm. I think they look at us as uh, stupid beings, that's and right. they're here to try to help move our lives forward. I, you know what? I couldn't have said any better myself. It's almost like we're the goldfish for the Anunnaki. And, folks, yeah. you, you got confirmation here tonight on the show. They're out there, so just keep your eyes open. Tall, blonde hair, big eyes. Just be, just be wary. I mean, and I'm just saying, I am a blonde hair, big eye dude. So, like, I'm a lot. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying. Here's the thing. I'm not saying I'm not Anunnaki. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm late. I'm doing a 23 of me, and I'm doing intergalactic stuff. There's going to be like 30 percent of your DNA. They're like, we don't know where this came from. This is this is something <laughs> off the charts. That's All right. Amazing. Question number two. What are your thoughts about the fact that right now there is someone somewhere on this planet who's programming an artificial intelligent bot to have high degrees of sarcasm with a serious attitude problem? Oh, God, I fucking hate them if they're alive. Why are we making fake versions of this? That person is disgusting. That that's the real problem in society. People that think sarcasm is a fun, quirky thing. If you have on your dating profiles, I'm so sarcastic. Hope you can handle it. No, shut the fuck up, okay? And how dare you make that your personality and then make a fake thing that personality? I don't like it. I don't like it either. And you know, it's like, and and the scariest thing, the reason why I asked that question is it's happening because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make I as close to human in every way, including oh. the shitty stuff. And so we're going to have AI bots with shitty attitudes, good attitudes, sarcasm. It's all being created out there, folks, and it's fucking horrifying. Why can't we just take the good stuff about people? That's right. Take the good oh, stuff and just drill that down into something. I, I like that idea. Question number three. Okay, so your accent's a dead giveaway. Where exactly in Alabama did you grow up? Me? I grew up in central Alabama, okay? <laughs> we're all, we're, you know what? 
when I'm with, when I'm in Central Alabama, I'm fucking home, brother. Okay, <laughs> take me to a place where we're do- where there's a couple of pieces of wood covered in hay, and we're doing a dance with the locals. You know, <laughs> that's my home. That's where you blend in. Bucket. Oh, please, please, that's my family. You know, I love Alabama. You know, and I fucking hate the movie Sweet Home Alabama because Reese, fuck off. <laughs> She's sullying the good name of Alabama in a movie. How dare yeah, she? Yeah, god damn it. We have so little representation, right? That's right. And then we get Reese Witherspoon. Oh, my God. Oh, no, thank you. I'm Take a big back. fan. I'm a big fan, though. Of when she goes to Harvard. <laughs> Pretty, uh, oh wait, uh, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Legally Blonde. Yep. How about the sequel? Oh, tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> That's I love art. those. those That's art. I have the Blu-rays of Legally Blonde, uh, Princess Diaries. I run them all, bro. I okay? got the laser disc. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. All right. It's, it's seriously, on a serious note for a second, I love your podcast. Um, it's open. It's honest. And as advertised, it's loud. Uh, sometimes yeah. nothing is actually something really special. And I love the format. Uh, do you go into every show with an agenda or do you go in and just kind of you and your buddy, I think his name is Robbie, They just do you guys just kind of wing it? of like a combo between the two i usually have something i want to say yeah i here's the thing i used to be i used to be out in the world more and i would get to complain and and be excited about a lot of these things with other people and so now i just basically wait till till i'm on mic and then i just talk about the things i've been exploring that week in my mind i love it i love it that's cool yeah and, and for everybody listening and for those in the studio audience here highly recommend it it's a great, great listen. It's funny. They talk about everything. No holds barred. It's free form. It's it's really, really a great podcast. A plus. Thank you so much. Please, yes, please, people, go listen. I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Um, it's it's stupid. You know, it's silly, it's silly. Lots of fun. Uh, question number five: What was the very first movie that you remember, or TV show for that matter, that you remember watching that made you laugh? And maybe you had that aha moment where you were like, oh, that's funny, and I get why it's funny. Because sometimes when we're kids, the comedy goes over our heads. But then there's that moment where you see something, and you react to it, and you're like, ah, now I'm, now I'm behind the curtain. Now I understand why that's funny. Do you remember the movie or TV show where you first did that in? Movie or TV show I first saw that in. Interesting. Well, my mother hates comedy. So okay. I didn't grow up watching a lot of comedy. I was stuck uh I saw, I think I was like seven and I saw Amistad in theaters. So uh, there was nothing funny about the movies I was watching as a kid. I remember having a, I saw The Patriot. I had a panic attack because I realized young boys died like me in the Revolutionary War. Um, yeah. So I think I created comedy out of horrible movies because I needed to protect my pure soul. Okay. All think, right. Almost I like a defense mechanism. So, yes. Yes. Also, when I saw the fart scene in uh, Blazing Saddles, that really made me laugh as a little boy. There you go. There you go. Okay, so um, quick side question. Who's done more for comedy, um, Lenny Bruce or the Three Stooges? Oh, I guess Lenny Bruce. Yep, that's a good one. It's hard to argue that. All right, next question. Uh, What are your thoughts 
on the fourth dentist that does not recommend sugar-free gum? The fourth. That, that doesn't happen. I think, I think there's contrarians in all families. <laughs> and sometimes being different makes you think that you're going to stand out. So people are purposely contrarian or just do something opposite to make themselves feel special. Yeah. And you know what? They are because we're talking about them. That's right. They, they've they've yeah. achieved their goal. Here they are. Goddamn dentist. Okay, so uh, once and for all, we're going to solve it right here. Um, there's a lot of problems out there. We try to solve them one question at a time, and here's a big one. So yeah. once and for all, where is the best pizza in New York? Oh, maybe. I mean, I in Staten Island's where my family's from. I go yeah. to uh, we go to Villa Monti's, which is very good. They have okay. a good sauce. A lot of places their sauce is uh, too sweet, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think people people that didn't grow up with like an Italian uh, like parents or a grandmother or something like that they they like their sauce very sweet. I don't need it that sweet. So I like Belmonte's. Danino's is really good in Staten Island, too. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. This, there's a couple tips for you guys out there traveling in New York City area. Go check them out, uh, or if you're on Staten Island. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell a quick story and then ask a question. So, yeah. And I'll try to keep this story quick. So I was over in Amsterdam many years ago. I was at a trade show, and I'm walking from the trade show to my hotel by myself, um, <clears throat> and I'm walking over this bridge. And I see this guy on the other side of the bridge, and uh, he doesn't know that I'm American, you know, and uh, he, he says something to me in Dutch, and I can tell that he, he's looking to, to mug me or something. But I just kind of keep, and this is years and years ago, this is the 90s, before cell phones, before the internet, before any of that shit. And I just keep kind of motoring right by him because I just know that my spidey sense is tingling like this guy's up to no good. So I just motor right by him like he's not even there. And I get like 100 yards past, and then he's like, hey. And I turn around, and he goes, fuck you. Almost like, he, you know, he's like, fuck you for not falling for my shit. And, yeah. um, and so my question is, with all the technology that's happened in the last, I'll say, 30 years, but you could pick even 15 years and make the same point, do you feel like the human instincts that we have inside of us to – uh, understand when there's danger afoot or when there's something that good even that might be happening. Do you think that technology is deadening our senses to our, our natural instincts? Huh. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess technology is making it like, like we're more stuck in our phones. We're more like, uh, likely to, someone could trick us faster. Right. I remember being, uh, when I was in college, phones were like still like iPhones. They weren't that new, but they were newish, right? Yep, yep. And my mother would always be like, don't take your phone out on the subway, right? And now that's not even a thought oh, to not take God. your phone out on the subway. It's like everyone has their phone out 24-7. I think that you get distracted by that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I would say that it's definitely dead, uh, like lowering our like smarts, uh, like our street smarts. Yeah. I also like... um. Yeah. I purposely don't put my noise canceling headphones on when I'm walking down the street, though. But I'm a sicko. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just it, it's it's distracting, and, but it's also like we're so dependent on it for everything that I feel like it's pulling us away from any kind of connection we had to what's really going on. It's uh, it's a little bit scary, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. Next question: Can you get behind the concept that everything? 
that is flavored pumpkin spice should be outlawed? Uh, no, I can't get behind that. Good. Not because I don't like it, but I like, I like, someone that wants to be basic and just like that, I'm on board with that. Good for you, you know? Yeah, there's something about it that, that makes it so basic that people enjoy it. And I say, let's stick to keep it around. It's giving happiness to, like, people that, like, I don't know, shit's hard. Let them have a little pumpkin spice. I've never had it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Good for them. I'm with you, and I, I haven't had it either. I'm not really necessarily a fan of the concept, but at the end of the day, every flavor should be available. Like, I'm, you know, completely in favor of marijuana legalization. I'm in favor of everything. Like, you just got to let people make up their own mind, especially when it comes to, you know, what flavor soap they're going to have or, or, or tea or coffee or anything else. So that, that that's the correct answer. Okay. Now, thank you. Here is a loud about nothing fanboy question for you, and I'm going to ask the question, and, and I'm hoping that you remember what this is in reference to, because if not, it's going to sound like the stupidest question of all time. So, okay. D- DXL, it's a retail store, right? Amazing. Okay. Now, the question is this: <laughs> Is DXL closer? I'm going to give a description. Is DSL closer to the description of quote a store more so? then porn is close to the description of a movie. Oh, this is a tremendous question. I feel like I'm in SAT prep for scumbags. Um, I would say... Ah, I would have to say DXL is closer to a store. Porn back in the day was closer to a movie. Porn nowadays, no fucking integrity. That is a very interesting answer. So I and I and I agree with it because if you think about it, like right now, it, in fact, you know, DXL is a store. It's it's a specific store, but it's a store nonetheless. Whereas back in the seventies, you know, the John Holmes Seca era of porn, it was like they had a set and there would be dialogue and there'd be like you know things happening that wasn't just sex. And now it's forget it. You know what I mean? Like their integrity is a good. It's a good thing to point out not being there. But, uh, and again, folks, it's going to be another shameless plug for his podcast, but little topics like that that you wouldn't think would be interesting, they make them interesting and they make you think. So um, I agree, DXL is closer to a store than porn is to a movie if we're talking about today's world. Love it. Okay, next question. Have you noticed um, how Pat Sajak has recently got a really shitty attitude when it comes to how he talks to the contestants on the Wheel of Fortune. Did he die? Pat Sajak? No, you're thinking of uh, Alex Trebek. Thank you. I was about to... Let's go easy on um, Pat. <laughs> um, can you repeat the question then? I'm so Certainly, sorry. no problem. <clears throat> Have you noticed uh, how Pat Sajak has recently got a really terrible attitude when it comes to how he deals with the contestants on the Wheel of Fortune. Yes, I have noticed. Um, I watch, I, I watch, it's, it's my thing to watch if I'm sitting in front of a television at 7.30. Um, it's a beautiful uh, program. I think that he's getting a little crankier. I think that he's been doing it a little bit too long. And all jobs, you hit a bell curve. You got to leave, leave while you're on top, and he did not. That is very well said. He's milking it. And uh, yeah. my, my girlfriend watches it all the time. I only watch it when I'm I'm with her and she's watching it. But the last time I watched, I was like, 
you know, he's like he's like hazing the the poor people that get a question wrong and you know it's oh you you barely got anything right there it's just like that's not needed pat like and he never used to oh, do that that's very rude <laughs> it's very rude i agree all right serious question when and where was the first live improv show that you ever saw oh first live improv show i ever saw was at ucb and it was my freshman year of college. Okay. And what was the, like, what made you go there? Was some, it was just like a thing like, hey, let's go check this out? Or were you interested on your own? My sister, well, I did theater as a kid, and my sister um, went to FIT, which was right by the old UCB theater. Sure. Her dorm room was on 27th between 7th and 8th, and UCB was on 26th on 8th. So, um, my parent and my parents kind of knew about it, and they were like, "Oh, this will be fun to do." And then I ended up going to show. Gotcha. And then after that, how how long after that did you decide this isn't just fun to like sit in the audience and watch, but I want to do that. I want to take a lesson. And how did when did you get involved? I guess I got involved when I was twenty. Wow. Um and uh yeah, and it was great. It was such a great decision. I'm so happy I did it and I stuck with it. Yeah. No, it's awesome. And it's, I, when I was, uh, I've taken a couple of classes online uh-huh. and some of the material that they hand out were old, uh, UCB, I think they call them death, death matches or cage match or oh, cage matches. Yeah. Cage matches. And, and some of the, uh, some of those are some of the best captured. I mean, it's hard to find a really good Herald, uh, on YouTube, but some of those uh-huh. are, are right there. Um, oh yeah. I hear they use one of the, um, one of the shows I was in, as an example. They sure do, yep. It was the one where uh, cowboys aren't real. See, that's amazing to me. One, that, that was my first time performing at that stage. Really? So I, here's the thing. I only got better from that. Because I, I watched that show and I go, oof, I made a bunch of mistakes. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, that was my first time performing there. And it was, um, I can't believe that they used that as an example. That's so exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm surprised that was your first time. That, that That's amazing. And to think that you're looking at that, you know, saying you made mistakes, it was funny as shit. I laughed the whole time. Um, okay. And, okay, now we're also, I asked about the best pizza, and you gave uh-huh. a definitive answer. Here's a equally important question, especially if you're from uh, the New York area. Who was or is the greatest rapper, alive or dead? Oh, Okay, here. So I'm from Staten Island, so everyone's expecting me to say like a Wu-Tang answer, right? Mm-hmm. No, I would say that, um, and this might age me, this is how you know I'm in my 30s, I have to, and, but I wasn't alive, Biggie Smalls has to be the greatest rapper. Yeah. Because he was able to literally do everything. And he like set such a pathway for uh, opening up like that connection between pop music and uh, like underground hip-hop. Because um, I, I love so much like music today, but like Anytime I listen to uh, like uh, Biggie Small, uh, Biggie song, it's like he had everything in it, and his flow—one of the best flows that ever came came about. I also love Jay Z. I'm also like um, I'm also like big into Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. I like I really like New York hip hop. I mean, Nas Nas people say might be up for the debate, uh, but he, I've seen him live. He's got the one. Illmatic might be one of the best albums ever. Yeah, uh, Thirty Six Chambers is probably the best. Um, uh, hip hop album uh, ever maybe uh, but uh, Nas 
doesn't do it for me. It's all depending on where you grew up. And Staten Island kids wish they were Brooklyn kids. Okay. So there was a part of me that, like, I loved Wu-Tang, but I wanted to be a big guy. Gotcha. And I'm fat. I'm huge. I'm a big guy. So it was like, I loved, he, I've talked about this. He had, like, a sexuality and a swagger while being a heavy dude, right? Uh, the, the Lizzo of, of my time, you know? Yeah. So he was like, no matter my size, I could still be sexy and be, like, have, be desirable. This is this answer is very honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I loved that about him. It was about his attitude more than um, his appearance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, And not only was he a bigger dude, but he had a fucked up eye, and he mm-hmm. was just like... You're going to love me for who I am, no matter what I look like. And he was right. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it really was. Um, Okay. What are your feelings on laugh tracks as part of a sitcom or TV show? I actually wrote a paper on it in college. um, About uh, the transition from laugh tracks to mockumentaries. Because there was that transition with the office and Parks and Rec. And that, like... People breaking the fourth wall. What is was then the modern day laugh track? Um, because they still didn't trust the audience enough to like uh, realize that they this was the moment that they have to laugh. So they're kind of like spoon feeding them still, wow. just in a new way, so they weren't able to understand it. Damn. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I, you know, you there are some there are some TV shows that I hold in high regard that had a laugh trap. Seinfeld being one of them. Yeah. Um, but when I look back, I don't think they age very well because when you, you know, even like a show like MASH, MASH had a laugh track, Cheers had a laugh track. But now it's, I, I almost feel like it's, you know, like a show, I don't watch it, but I know someone that does the um, uh, Big Bang Theory. Like that, to me, it's just that laugh track now just is, a, it kind of insults people's intelligence. And I think that part of that is what you just said. But I think the other thing is how you can consume content. Like it used to be, you wanted to watch a, a TV show, you turn on your TV and it's on one of these channels. You can't record it. You can't watch it later. And we're going to tell you when you can mm-hmm. laugh. And now you can pretty much watch whatever you want, whenever you want. And and I feel like they've raised the the acceptable IQ of what they're putting out there and just going to let people laugh when they know they should. And I think that people uh, will watch shows more actively. You uh, With a laugh track, you're going to watch a show very passively. That's right. Yeah, you know what? That's true. It's almost like background you know yeah that's, that's um but point. also like i don't think comedy ages well I okay think people always are like shitting on like comedies from the past can you believe they joked about this yeah i don't think any comedy ages well so when they point out like oh look how crappy these people were in the past for saying this i go it was the time and we can't like they if they grew we have to be okay with that also jokes kind of sucked more back then you know yeah and what we found funny wasn't as sharp or cutting or uh, as smart and intelligent. And I think laugh tracks fall right into that category. It was just like, yeah, comedy kind of sucks to look back at. It's rare that you like see a comedy show or movie that's evergreen. Yeah. You know what? That's interesting. I never really thought about that, but because what you're doing when you're making a comedy uh, TV show is you're capturing a moment that there's a contemporary culture, there's a contemporary uh, collective intelligence and, and, and consciousness, and you're kind of putting that on film for that moment. But the minute you get past that moment, 
a lot of that isn't going to resonate. And then the other side of that is the show like, you know, All in the Family with uh, with Archie Bunker or whatever. I think that was the name uh-huh. of the show. I mean, that you yeah. you literally you couldn't make that TV show. You couldn't make that. You couldn't make the Jeffersons. You couldn't you know, stay. Uh, what was the other one there? Um, the Jefferson. What was the other one? Not the Jeffersons, but the with Jimmy Walker Dynamite. What was that one? Good times. Oh, good times. Good yeah. times. Yeah, you couldn't make that stuff now. Um, okay. And okay. And that is okay. That is absolutely okay. And that's okay. Art should grow. Like that's also what's so beautiful about improv is it's constantly molding and growing. Yes. Speaking of improv, okay. So in the last two yeah. years, how people uh, perform and practice and watch improv has obviously changed. It went from really everything being live to for a period of time, nothing being live and having it all be, um, you know, zoom or whatever online. And while it's limiting in many ways, you know, uh, physical comedy, you can't really do as well online as you could, uh, in, in, in front of a theater. I think that practicing online, it's opened up, you know, maybe some new improv skills. And my question to you is, do you feel that you know, by almost like by accident, do you think that COVID helped to open up new improv skills that maybe would not have been cultivated if everything just always stayed live in front of an audience? I think what's, what's good is um, because you're on camera, you have to play more realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, like the uh, big, broad, silly stuff works a little bit, but like, like people are practicing playing closer to themselves which I think is a great um, thing. And also, I also think that um, I know kids I coach and teach, though, they'll jot notes down as they're doing improv, which then makes their shows better if they, like, jot down an idea as they're watching someone else's scene. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if I support that yet or don't, but uh, maybe I don't because that's just, it feels like cheating to me, but why is that cheating? We're already sitting behind the computer, right? Um, Yeah. So I think that's uh, something that's, pretty interesting to me is like people taking notes to help with uh callbacks or second beats of uh scenes yeah no absolutely so i'm glad you brought that up i hadn't even thought of it but i you know i took improv face to face then COVID happened went to online which actually brought me to ucb and i remember thinking you know my first couple of 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 classes i was i was taking notes just almost by habit just like oh that's interesting i'll write that down and then I started thinking, yeah. holy shit, like, am I, am I giving myself, you know, am I, am I doing myself a disservice by doing that? And in 401, I had uh, someone that's on your Rat Scraps team, Shannon O'Neill, is my teacher. And she was out one day, and the person that taught her improv, I forget her name now, but she's an old UCB alum. And, uh, and, and she came right out and said, if you're taking notes, that's a good thing because you're going to end up making this you know, what, whatever you're doing, it's going to help. And that's, there's nothing wrong with cheating in that way. So I kind of felt like, Oh, okay. But I, I, I never really felt good about it. I always felt like I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing. I think that's because we're looking at the way improv was not what it is. And that's online. I also, there was a fun scene in rat scraps this week where we were talking about products that we, that we wanted, right. Mm -hmm. We were talking about things that we would want and, uh, the producer kept pulling up images of it on the screen. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a fun um, uh, twist on Zoom improv that I haven't seen, that we're actually able to see the examples of 
the things we're talking about live. Like multimedia. Yes. Even more so. Yeah, that is interesting. I guess it's all it, it's dependent on what you're doing and how you're doing it. And if it's funny, it's funny. That's the bottom line. With it, within bounds sparks creativity. Yes. Uh, that was uh, the, the the white stripes. Jack White, his big thing was just him and his, at the yep. time, girlfriend. It was a guitar and a drum. And he even said, it's like, you know, when you limit what you can do, you, you start thinking of creative ways to make that, you know, sound different. Um, There's an interesting thing about him. He, um, in his in his concerts, he would have to switch instruments, right? Yep. And so he would literally set his, if he had like, if he had six steps, he needed to take to, uh it, he had he had enough time to take six steps to get to his guitar. He would place the guitar seven steps away to just challenge himself. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. that that's yeah. cool. Um, I, this is so secondhand. So who the fuck knows if that's real? I'm but, going uh, with it. We, we preach. Yes, we have to t- t- treat it real. I love that. <laughs> We're certifying that as truth right here tonight on the No Outlet podcast. Okay, oh, next I question. <clears throat> uh, does a stitch in time always save nine? Uh, does the stitch in time always save nine? Yeah, it does. I don't want it to, but it always saves nine. <laughs> I don't want it to. God damn it. That to. stitch always does save nine, doesn't it? Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, so uh, I-, I heard you say something on your podcast that you love garbage TV. So do I. I think people – I like good TV, like intelligent TV, but I also like garbage, stupid TV. And I think people try to avoid – uh, the fact that they like some bad shows out there. So I'm here to ask you right now, what's the best garbage TV show on right now? On right now, I got to go with my girl, Emily and Harry, bro. You know, I've heard you talk about that and I haven't seen it yet. I got to check that I out. I mean, it's, this is why I don't want to get rid of pumpkin spice latte because I love basic. I think that she's absolutely tremendous. So I'm, I'm, I'm team Emily and Harry. Okay. So it's very, very, Dumb, very whimsical, over the top, and it makes me feel good that someone that someone could think that is reality makes me happy. Okay, so is is the show? And this is going to sound like a totally stupid question for those who've seen the the TV show. I haven't. Is it supposed to be funny, or is it supposed no, to be I'll, like a, a serious show that just ends up being funny because it's goofy? No, it's it's goofy. There's goofy moments, okay. but um, I'm more laughing at the non goofy <laughs> moments. Gotcha. The drama is real. Okay. Got and it. I like that. Got it. Okay. Uh, in your estimation, your scientific estimation, what percentage yep. of people do you think have a gym membership just so they can have that key fob on their key ring and say, oh, I belong to the gym down the street? Oh, 40%. Oh, at least. Yeah. Maybe 40%. higher. Maybe. I see you don't like my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I like no. the, I, I do like the answer, but I, I would just say, my, in my experience of dealing with people that go to the gym, I would say that it's it's at least fifty fifty, if not more. Uh, see, I'm from Staten Island, where uh, the gym is a cultural cultural phenomenon. Even the fat people hang out there. It's a hangout spot, <laughs> like a barber shop, but with weights. Yes, yes, the barber shop where people pass around tests. It's wonderful. Got it. Um, next question. What are your feelings on the uh, current movement to solidify hummingbirds as being the greatest pets on planet Earth? The greatest what? Pets? Pets, yeah. Um, 
I understand it. It is whimsical. Um, I just don't think it's realistic. Um, they're so delicate. They're, um, I think their life expectancy is much shorter than people are anticipating. And to lose a pet that quickly, uh, will hurts. That's true. Um, but here's the thing, the best part about, yeah. so I, I've got a bird feeder out in front of my deck here and it's a hummingbird feeder. And the best part about uh-huh. having hummingbirds as pets is they, they, they only come here in the summer, right? They come, they zoop yeah. in, they have the little sugar water, they zoop out again. You never see where they go. You never see them die. Like you're right. The life expect- expectancy is I think only like two or three years, but you never know that they're dead. Like one of the heartbreaks of having a pet is then watching the pet die. Whereas if you have, you're feeding these hummingbirds, you're giving them life. Like I've seen hummingbirds uh-huh. become pregnant, give birth, bring their kids over. And then they go back down to South Carolina. Um, so I'm a big proponent of, of people getting on board uh, the hummingbird as a pet uh, train. I love that. And you put that sugar water thing. Oh, and, and don't, whatever you guys do, if you're out there and you want to go get a hummingbird feeder, do not buy the red uh, liquid and put it in there. It, it's bad for them. Just get regular old water and do a four to one. Ooh. Yep. <clears throat> the red oh, stuff is garbage. Okay. I mean, I, I love birds. I love this. I do too. I do too. Um, all right. So last question. Uh, and again, thank you so much for being on the show. For the people that are in our audience and the people that are listening, where can people uh, get more of Sebastian? Where do they go? How do they find you? Where are you at? Oh, amazing. Um, you can find me at Sebastian Canelli on Instagram or uh, at Loud About Nothing is uh, my podcast page. Um, my podcast, listen to it, uh, Loud About Nothing. You can find it on literally anywhere you get podcasts. Um, and yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm on TikTok too, Sebastian Canelli. Oh, but just cool. Sebastian Canelli, um, by full name, anywhere you want to see me. All right, so you're on TikTok. They made me think of a bonus uh-huh. question. Uh, and by the yeah. way, guys, I, Rat Scraps is a blast every Sunday, right? Oh, yes. Please, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you could uh, watch Rat Scraps every single Sunday on, um, I think uh, you could watch it online, right? I don't know the details around that. But I do know um, that it's literally every single Sunday. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're going to go back to live shows, but we stream those live shows with a three-camera setup. Yeah, you guys so do a pretty you, good job. Yeah, I have no part of that. There's professional <laughs> people that do that. But um, if you're not in New York and you have a improv itch, uh, this is a great way to see some uh, amazing improvisers. I'm so lucky I get to perform with them uh, on stage doing their thing. So if you want to see some improv, watch at Rat Scraps. Um, follow at Rat Scraps uh, and listen to my podcast. That's beautiful. There you go. Uh, so the bonus question on TikTok is this. Yeah. Uh, do you think that TikTok is secretly um, some type of ploy from a, a, a foreign government to slowly take over the minds of our youth? Um. I do. I think that they uh, are. Um, I think that they're uh, feeding stuff to certain uh, demographics and people uh, to keep them down, and then other uh, people are getting uh, information uh, that's going to help them in the long run. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. If wow. you could see our, I've never, <laughs> I've ahead. never felt more like QAnon. 
I'm so sorry. If you could see our audience right now, they're doing the wave. They've got big, oh huge flags with your face on it. Uh, they're thrilled. Oh. And for all those listening, uh, please go check them out everywhere you can check them out. Uh, Sebastian Canelli, folks. Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was beautiful. Thanks, dude.